Hi guys, and welcome back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore, and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform, and drive you to get stronger, fitter, and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset, and more, as well as talking with guests on their area of expertise. Today, I was joined by Louis McRae. Louis is a personal trainer and coaches out of Cambridge University Sports Centre. He is a hybrid training advocate who is also deeply interested in everything surrounding movement and health. Today we talked about all things injuries, using Louis' own experiences through injury and the rehab process to lay out training principles surrounding the topic. Specifically, we look at overcoming and adapting your training to keep taking steps forward working around any injuries you have. With that, let's get into today's show. So hi guys, welcome back to another episode of uh, the podcast. I'm here today with with Louis. Uh, we know each other personally. We went through our PT course together um, what, a few years ago now. Um, and we've kind of, yeah, kept in touch, had a few chats between that. Uh, and yeah, I thought it'd be great for Louis to jump on here today and and, and talk about um, what we're going to talk about. So first off, what I think would be really great is if you could uh, just intro yourself. So give us a bit of the kind of the idea of like how you got into coaching training, um, what your your sort of journeys look like. Um, talking a little bit like like where you're at now, but also um, where you sort of you intend to to go uh, uh, like going forwards. Yeah, so um, my fitness journey is like quite an interesting one. I kind of started when, with regards to social media or uh, the internet as a whole, training was really big. So I caught onto calisthenics, and it was all these kind of like really you know, motivational kind of training videos and stuff. Uh, um, basically, it's these people doing quite random exercises, but it just looked really cool. So I jumped on because of that, about 14, got involved in calisthenics. Didn't really train much legs, which, you know, that came by me later on. But any of that sort of age needs to begin training. But then um, I joined my PT course with you in 2016 met quite a few different people got exposed to lots of different training types and modalities so that was quite good and I learned quite a lot in those few months about things that I was kind of missing or lacking in my training and then I did like a random I was looking for a job in the fitness industry for about two years um, joined a local sports center um, managed to build my skills do a little bit of personal training working classes and stuff and again engage with people and at that time as well, I became exposed by different coaches. I was still in touch with you. Uh, I spoke to a guy who was working at my work at that sports centre, Cambridge Regional College, and they were a qualified strength conditioning coach. So I spoke to them quite a bit, got a bit of knowledge from them, and then later joined Cambridge University Sports Centre and got greater exposure to um, a whole load of different coaches and even around my local area. So I've really learned quite a lot in the last couple of years and that's when I'd probably say I became more of a coach if you like and actually um, really appreciate the principles that I was learning and put them into practice and really kind of appreciated anatomy and physiology as well and how that responds and how that, having that knowledge actually impacts your training quite greatly if you can understand or have a good kind of um, understanding of biomechanics and all those various other things and so much so to the extent that uh I'm looking at potentially becoming a physio in the future. That's something that I'm working towards. So I'm studying an access course at the moment and trying to uh, hopefully become eligible for a degree course in the near future. But that's pretty much me up till now. Um, yeah. And awesome, just engage, I uh, 
do similar training to you, hybrid training. So trying to balance a lot of things at once, which is quite awkward, but good fun at the same time. Yeah, it presents some unique challenges, doesn't it? Some interesting things to kind of think about and look at. It's cool, isn't it? I always love hearing different people's journeys. Um, I know, obviously, we've shared a a good element of that and um, kind of we both sort of knew each other through our early early stages of of our career or or starting of our career into the fitness industry. So I think it's interesting to see how we've both taken that and and gone in sort of different directions, but also kind of some similarities there as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in terms of obviously like what draws you into becoming a physio why why that route specifically i think it's just again how the human body works but also how things can go wrong sometimes in your training and can really affect you that's the thing that really kind of interests me rectifying that and actually making that person be able to enjoy training more and get more out of it um, because there's plenty of people that end up with re- recurring injuries and at the same time, uh, watching the recovery process as well, seeing someone, even I've only done very basic things as a coach, just help someone fix their squat and kind of more the musculoskeletal things, but it's still very impressive and you get a real good um, you know, satisfaction when you manage to help someone connect better with the movement and realise um, how to do it in a better way. Uh, so that's kind of why I want to go into physio so I can help people kind of get back on the bike and actually enjoy training again and overcome um, any injuries that might stop them from enjoying training or getting the most out of what they're doing it's interesting because there are those two angles to it isn't it because it, it it's there's one angle to it where it's people largely get injured maybe through suboptimal training and it's from a kind yeah. of a biomechanical physiological standpoint you've got that 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 side of it but then you've also got the yeah, say like the 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 psychological aspect to it, haven't you? You've got the enjoyment of training, and a lot of the time people can't enjoy training because they've become injured, or there's something that might be holding them back because they've done whatever in their training that's caused them to to, to hurt themselves or or whatever that might be. Yeah, yeah, and um, of course, when you do a physio degree course, you'll be learning mostly with people like um, people in critical care and dealing with people in those situations. I think I would like to move into sport. I think that's where I self long-term. Um, that's just because it's uh, interesting in the sense of I like the musculoskeletal element. I think that's quite fascinating. Again, uh, fixing people up, getting back to training. Because I know um, what we're going to be discussing about as well, um, how that can really... Um, be quite frustrating especially if it's something significant it can really uh put the brakes on your success and what you're trying to achieve as well yeah no certainly and i think we've we've both had probably a, a lot of personal experience in in injuries both minor and probably slightly more major as well um i know i certainly have had my share of uh injuries through through rugby and otherwise um in the past that have forced me to have to um adapt what i'm doing and um there's been there's been plenty of instances where it stopped me potentially doing something i wanted to do or or put a kind of a barrier in in my in in my way where i've had to come to terms with that and and maybe kind of readjust where where i wanted to go um be interesting to because i know you, you you've struggled with some injuries kind of in over the kind of recent 
sort of year or, or, or two. Um, what some of the details around that, and then we can move into talking about how you kind of like adapted around that. Yeah. So um, probably the most two most significant injuries in the last, I'd probably say in 2019. Um, I've always had kind of issues with my feet. They've always been pretty flat. One of them more so than the other, and one of them more uh, pronated than the other. And I've kind of, you know, turned a blind eye to it or thought it might get better one way or another. And like, I'll have no shame in this. I've, I've fallen into fads before. And uh, one thing that I fell into in 2019 was I got myself a pair of um, barefoot shoes and kind of thought that, all right, I've got these flat feet. If I put these shoes on, which is so naive, I, d- I don't even know what, what I was thinking at the time, but I just started running in them. And I wasn't smashing any serious volume, but I was just definitely running too far. Um, I wasn't actually recruiting my tens properly, anything like that. So it's just kind of like flat feet, smashing on hard surfaces for a good few months. And then what was already not great was exacerbated and more so on one foot than the other. So I ended up uh, seeking the help of a podiatrist that I saw locally. And it was basically just a long lines of massive overpronation and at the same time, um, some low level perennial tendonitis. Uh, I think that was her diagnosis. So that was interesting. So I got some orthotics fixed up and um, was working with them. And that was helpful initially. Uh, but very quickly, I realized that's more of a temporary fix. It's not something that if you can avoid it, um, or if it's kind of, again, soft tissue, you want to be able to try and work on strengthening up and moving past that point, because otherwise it doesn't kind of completely remove the pain. It just stops you from going in those ranges of pain. Um, so that was something I had to address. And then later on, literally a couple of months later, I so already being injured, quite injured at one point, so then again, quite injured again so i really impinged my hip whilst trying to do a 100 kg back squat amrap i just kind of like my hip just went crunch and i felt <laughs> like the head of the femur it felt like it popped out of the socket and went straight back in and it felt like someone had punched me in the side of the hip so i actually asked the person spotting me did you it was do you trying to motivate me or like <laughs> it was kind of like one of those weird things like i thought did you slap me on the ass and i was like getting harder than the rep and it's like no that was actually my bone like so and then immediate tightness straight after that moment like just completely seized up and i couldn't squat or anything for about five weeks so i had those two injuries to kind of deal with at the same time almost hmm. like in a very short period of time um and i had to learn quite a lot and again I kind of learned a hard lesson of if you have any serious asymmetries between left and right in either limb, like whether it be arms or legs, like you have to kind of at some point treat them. Otherwise it will just come back to bite you. And I, I really mean that. I, I, most people just kind of, will usually just have some slight impingement or something quite minor. Whereas I was having quite substantial issues basically as a result of that weakness. So I ended up having to switch up my training and really focus on like the reason of why, why is my foot in this way? And at the same time, why has my hip got to the point where it's, you know, seriously impinged and 
caused me quite a lot of pain, to be honest. It wasn't anything Was that, was that foot and hip? Was I that on the same shouldn't... leg, on the same side? Yeah, it was, it was on, the, on the same side. So there was definitely uh, something going on there, let's just say that. But I had to... Um, I was asking the podiatrist as well about various things relating to my foot, but it was kind of strange how it was all a little bit smoke and mirrors and I'd have to kind of go along to another session, pay some money, and then I'd get like drip fed a little bit more of this. And, um, but it was not very substantial in treatment. And I kind of realized, well, after going back a few times, that there was kind of the same faces, even though it was only a handful of times. But most people were chronic, so I wasn't really too sure if they were actually wanting to fix me and move me along, which you kind of imagine when you go through the process of getting rehabilitation through a podiatrist or physiotherapist or whatever. You want to be kind of back to where you are as quick as you can or have a good plan in place to recover. And I mean, the whole, the whole point of rehab is that, that you eventually don't have to do it anymore. And it's like preparatory yeah, exercises yeah. before exercise. The point of a lot of those is that at some point along that journey, along that process, you have you don't have to do them anymore. And I think, yeah, as you say, yeah. like typically you probably see it. There's lots of like passive type um, approaches that are taken in a rehab sense. Like if you never really yeah. push back to levels of intensity or, or loading that you're at previously or beyond that, like you're probably always going to say be stuck at a certain point, aren't you? Like there's only so much like yeah. orthotics or, or, or kind of like massage and things like that can do. In, in a sense of like, actually progressing you back to a point of like baseline or wherever you were at pre-injury. Yeah. I think it's an interesting. Yeah, thing. no. Yeah, it is. Uh, like you do want to get back to that point or be able to surpass that. And I know that was a massive, those things in particular with my hip and my foot were a massive thing holding me back. Like every, kind of lower limb exercise I could definitely feel my right leg was much stronger much better coordinated than my left and if I was doing a back squat I'd want to shift more over to my right and it was something that I couldn't really seem to um, quite fix and it's still a little bit dodgy now but it's much better than it was and that was I had to kind of almost self-educate a little bit um, because I got given a few uh, tips or told somewhat what I need to do by the podiatrist but it was very vague. It was like, you need to do leg stretches and you need to do foot strengthening exercises. And I was kind of like, okay. And I was asking questions as well. Like what is a kind of a natural gait cycle? What should I kind of be aiming for when I'm walking? Um, Cause again, if you can replicate someone, something or kind of build sensation or know how something should feel or how you should respond when you perform a certain movement, then you can obviously be a little bit more conscious and aware of that uh, going forwards. So then that obviously means you can reinforce that and hopefully maybe see more progress sooner. But with my research and what I found out is that going back to the hip as well, there was just massive instability and just lack of range of motion and movement at the hip to actually facilitate the muscles on the lower limb to actually activate and work in the accorded manner. So I had to really working overhauling and trying to reset my hip and get that in a position to actually um, function in the way it needed to so that then the lower uh, limbs could actually align properly because I think that was a massive problem because everything's kind of internally rotated I suppose or couldn't internally rotate and there just wasn't much space in the hip capsule 
And it's something I'm still working on now, but I've managed to improve somewhat and feel much better with now. But it's a very slow journey trying to do that and trying to find different ways because I was doing very standard um, exercises that were simply just kind of on a print card just given to me, which is, you know, um, a bit of an infamous approach in some uh, physio circles and podiatrist circles as well, where it's like the classic, you get given a list of exercises, go do them and then come back. But they're all pretty useless and meaningless if you don't kind of have the context of why you're doing the exercises and also the specifics of kind of what's wrong and what needs to what needs to improve. So I, I kind of realized that where the muscles were weak, like around the glutes, like glute min, piriformis, um, abductors as well, and just general stability, all that sort of stuff I've had to really work on and improving the internal rotation. So when I'm walking, like the femur can basically articulate the hip. And again, going back to alignment, everything's set up properly. It's very slow because effectively what I was told by the podiatrist as well, that all my tendons effectively atrophied over years on that side. So I don't know how that had happened, but my right leg was just way more um, developed uh, with tendon strength and all that than my left. So having to kind of work through that, it's, uh, it's taking some time, but it's eye-opening as well. Like, and again, anything with tendons, You've just got to appreciate that it's very slow anyway. It's not, and you'll know as well from hurting or having a ligament injury that those sorts of injuries are very, very slow to heal. Um, and you have to be very, very patient and persistent. And only then you'll kind of see the um, progress, if you like. What did that start to look like? So, so once you, you 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 got to the process of seeing the podiatrist, being given these exercises, realizing that hey, maybe this isn't the uh, maybe this isn't the answer long term, or this isn't this isn't at least the 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 progression I need. What did it look like? What what did you start to implement that that got you towards where you're at now? Um, I think it was just going outside the box a little bit, like with the exercises I was given. I just like how you know a coach might give someone exercises you might just find that you don't quite respond to them um and can't quite connect to the muscle group that you're trying to innovate and work so i had to kind of look at different exercises and see what felt good what what didn't what actually kind of caused that activation and what kind of actually give, gave me feedback because eventually it would kind of boil down to well i need to train some sort of abduction i need to train some sort of, you know internal rotation or something involving adduction or something stability wise and because the whole routine itself was you know very long-winded it's quite hard work but at the same time i didn't really feel like i was getting any benefit from it so it was essentially um useless and it was a lot of volume which was kind of almost wasted volume as well I, I ended up doing a lot less but getting more results because i was just choosing exercises of my own choosing and ones that i knew i could actually respond to uh so that was and that's something i'd probably say to other people as well if you can kind of see what they're trying what they're getting at or why is they want you to do of course sometimes there is a specific um recommendation for a reason 
they've obviously assessed you and that's probably the best way to go forwards. And sometimes it can just be a lack of my muscle connection. But I think it's always worth making it clear if something is or isn't working and trying to find um, other variations that might be more effective if something is rather than kind of passively just taking it, doing it and not quite feeling it. Sometimes, obviously, over a period of time, you could feel um, like you're actually getting an effect from the exercise. But if you're not, it's always worth kind of searching and trying to um, find an exercise that will. But also, moving on from the exercise as well, um, I wanted to get back to running. That was a big thing for me. I really wanted to actually get back to uh, putting on a pair of running shoes and doing that because that was something that I, I did enjoy. I got quite a lot of enjoyment from. Uh, so I had, I saw another phys- uh, podiatrist within the centre that I was uh, going to. And they eventually just said, like, you know, just, just start again. And that was kind of almost psychologically quite a lot to handle in one instance. Like, he's gone from, you know, running quite regularly to all of a sudden it's like, right, you kind of have to stop. And that was something that, um, although I'm not entirely satisfied with the whole treatment, that was something that I believe needed to happen. I know there's a lot of um, physios and, uh, you know, podiatrists as well that will probably promote people to actually continue doing what they're doing to some extent, maybe in less volume or um, whatever capacity so that they can actually train and eventually go back to that. But for me, it was just a case of, you've really kind of messed yourself up a little bit. You need to actually take some time to, because I had my toe was really swollen. My ankle was quite inflamed. So it was a case of, right, you need to probably take, I'm not sure if I need to take off the amount of time that I did. I did take off quite a substantial amount of time, like maybe two or three months um, to really see that inflammation go down. And also because walking in general was quite hard work for my tendons. I had a lot of, um what to kind of do there but when i started to run again that was double okay it, it wasn't bad it was quite a lot of a psychological element to it in the sense of i almost kind of told myself in my head without realizing that oh, i can't run anymore so i had to kind of overcome that and work out as well what volume was good what was bad um a lot of trial and error as to how much i could or couldn't do like when i started i I finish a run sometimes and I would feel like my tendons were quite inflamed, especially on my left side. So then that meant I had to, okay, right, I need to do less. And also more recently, I've become more aware of when my tendons are actually firing, trying to actually load the tendons, in particular post-tibial tendons, and, you know, be able to kind of generate force when your foot basically everts and, you know, or before obviously you push off and you drive through the floor uh, that's something being able to load those tendons has been quite a key thing for me uh, when I've been running because previously I'd kind of just hit the floor with a very flat foot and have very slow ground contact times so I'm much more conscious of that and again choosing the appropriate volume choosing the appropriate mileage intervals all that sort of stuff to make sure that I'm not getting tired and then just doing a really kind of sloppy and lazy um, footfall. Um, so that's those are kind of the things that I've had to do with regard to getting back to running and running more regularly. I think interesting, isn't it? Because injury is so much more than just the physical aspect. It, 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 there's a whole host of psychological factors that play into that. 
Um, and it's yeah. so much more complicated than just do these exercises and you'll get better. <laughs> like there's so much, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a whole, you say, yeah. psychological aspect to it. Generally, like people want to get back to what they were doing before, be that running, be that whatever. Um, yeah. And there's obviously there's there's an element of that psychological sort of limitation that you might have put there. Or it might just be kind of in your head in that respect, but you have to kind of overcome that to be able to get back into it. As long as alongside yeah. obviously all the physical rehab protocols and kind of pieces that, that are in there um it's interesting to think about that isn't it like in terms of like running specifically like getting back to it in terms yeah. of yes the probably one of the best things you can do in that sense is to start doing a little bit more running because and and, and structuring it in a more progressive manner maybe maybe taking a slower approach maybe building up more yeah. tolerance at lower lower intensities before you go back into higher mileage higher higher paces or faster paces yeah. um but it's also all the stuff around that isn't it so as you talked about it's it's understanding that you've got the the kind of the 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 physical aspects of actually running but then you've also got the the aspect or the 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 tendons or the, the ligaments the passive structures in in and around your lower leg that need to be yeah, no, um, need to be brought to a level where they can tolerate the load because at a basic level like only people tissues get injured because they can't tolerate a load on them be that chronically yeah. over time will be that in a kind of an acute setting um or an acute sense so in terms of getting back to something like running alongside obviously the running you're doing it pays to be doing things like the plyometrics the isometrics that the all of that stuff that's going to better yeah. condition your your lower limb or your legs to to be able to to handle those kinds of intensities forces um if you look at sprinting for example when we sprint we're putting yeah. anywhere from like eight to ten times our body weight through our legs if not more in certain cases yeah like and then extrapolate and maybe that down to like sort of slow jogging it's still significant amounts of force that are getting put through our joints and then if we think about like on like a 10k run for example that's thousands and thousands yeah. of steps so thousands of reps of reasonable yeah. force being put through our body and if they're not um if the tissues are not accommodated to that if it's it, on the physiological sense you might be able to cope with that like fitness wise you might be fine but your tissues in your in your kind of feet in your shins knees hips might not be at a level they need to be to to be able to tolerate those loads and that's where that kind of more all-encompassing approach of doing some of these exercises alongside whatever actual training you're doing become becomes really important yeah no, I'm a massive um, believer in that now. And again, just seeing um, how I felt as well after a run. It might not be PB territory, but I finished the run and make sure to actually use my tendons and make sure everything was kind of aligned and not overthinking too much because I think that can be an issue within itself. But like if you get too worked up and I'm landing in a very particular way, you have to kind of work within your own limitations and at the same time, um, work around injuries as well so you will kind of land or run in a certain way that's obviously going to accommodate for that short period of time where where your form might be a little bit off on account of that injury but on the whole you want to try and make sure that the, the sensation isn't too far off and uh, you're being as efficient as you can be so actually make sure that i was using my tendons or recruiting them more efficiently uh, when i finished runs I would feel like my joints just didn't feel as hammered as they would if I was just running with a flat foot, basically. Um, so that's, again, credit to the orthotics that holding my foot in a more optimal position, but at the same time, consciously 
um, being in control as well. Because if you if you're still landing like improperly, then you're going to find that you're still probably be in pain as well. So there's kind of two parts to it. You can rely on that support, but at the same time, you've got to try and try your best to make it work. And that was another wake up call as well when I got the orthotics. I kind of thought they would be all encompassing and do everything for me. When um, in reality, there is kind of a bit of work that you have to do as well to make sure that they kind of do their job the best that they can. So, but once um, they put you into a better position, don't they? They put you in into a better position, but you still have to put the work into to strengthen that position. Like otherwise, yeah, exactly. Issues in your in your kind of in your feet and your body are still not going to be able to cope with the demands. It's just they're in a slightly better position than they might have been before. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. In terms and it of doesn't like require training. As... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, like, it, it, if essentially it's like a cast in in effect. They will just hold your foot in a better position, require less work to keep yourself in a more optimal position, but it, you still need to make sure that you're not, you know, allowing your foot to collapse in too much, and you're trying to almost resist um, without causing any kind of deformity um trying to resist the excessive movement that basically injured you in the first place how did you so a bit of a different sort of um different question now but how did you approach training when you were injured sort of obviously the rehab stuff aside like the stuff you were doing to try and improve that those problems aside what did the rest of your training look like how did you adapt your training to to still be working around your injuries yeah so um it wasn't too bad with the kind of saying goodbye to running it was a little bit of a psychological blow it's something that i always had like a staple of my training but on the whole i was quite into weight training at that time so i just kind of focused on the weight training aspect and improved my form there and um made made some gains as well so i had kind of something else to kind of occupy occupy me um of course if you're an athlete and you're working it for a specific purpose that can be difficult if you can't do the thing that you're actually meant to be doing or you you're limited with what you can do exercise wise but it kind of opened up the door if you like to just focusing on weight training and doing like less um impact versions of cardiovascular training so cycling rowing i played around with those things and the odd metcon here and there because uh, obviously I was, I was still kind of into the CrossFit style, uh, the odd circuit type sessions. So I'd, I'd incorporate the odd one of them, in, but it was mostly weight training until eventually I ended my hip. And it was still weight training, but I had to basically drop squats and again pay attention to the issues surrounding my hip and working on the stabilizing muscles. So I switched from squats and then utilized split squats instead. And I could still do pulling from the floor. Um, and what I've realized is eventually, because I lacked internal rotation on that side as well, my deadlifts and stuff would look kind of wonky um, because I couldn't really sit into that side on the hip. So I'd always kind of deviate and just kind of worm into the right side every time. So recently as well, and I've been finding quite a lot of, um, been getting quite a lot of positive feedback from a single leg um rdls with weight and at the same time i did single leg 
straight led deadlifts as well, um, placing them on the plate and then coming through the movement. So stuff like that has been really helpful. Um, just more single leg work, really, on the whole, um, coming out of those two injuries has been really beneficial and kind of um, it's definitely played a part in improving both the hip and at the same time getting feedback uh, from the feet as well. What was some of your focus in those those unilateral single leg exercises? Where were you, like some of the cues you were focusing on, um, differences maybe left to right? What what was some of the things you were focusing on there to try and help with um, injuries, but also with in terms of like progression? Yeah, so a lot of it is um, comes down to form in the sense of with the split squats, for one thing, I realised that I've really lacked strength in the glute med, so I'd have to kind of consciously think about driving my knee out slightly on the left side. At the same time, since my foot is incredibly flat on the left side, it was quite, I didn't really know how to put my foot on the floor or what was going to be the best approach. Should I kind of like force an arch or um, it was quite complicated and I was trying to figure out what would be best. And um, I remember we were speaking about single leg squats as well and depth and working on that internal rotation. And I kind of felt like there was a bit of a block almost or what would happen is I'd get so deep in the split squat and then I just want to kind of shift inwards or I'd have to really force my leg out wide um, to create space. And my hip would kind of feel like bone on bone. It would kind of jam again. So that was quite working on that and actually just kind of slowly pushing into it and trying to work on creating space, but at the same time trying to um, position myself in a way where I felt like I could actually load um, the glute med effectively. So a lot of it was kind of positioning the weight, keeping the tempo very slow, not trying to deviate with my leg too much, just making sure that the alignment was there between knee and foot. And it wasn't like uh, resulting in too much valgus or anything like that. Um, that was one thing that I had to kind of think about. And it's improved since then, just working on the internal rotation. And uh, through then as well, I actually felt my glutes starting to fire. I could feel uh, the outside of my quad as well starting to fire, which was quite positive feedback in that sense, because I mainly felt it in um, the inner portion of the um inside the quadricep so that was quite um frustrating that i couldn't actually feel the activation elsewhere in the quadricep because it was all kind of pulling inwards if you if you like i couldn't actually out- activate the outer side so as soon as i started to work on the internal rotation slowed the movement down slowed the tempo and initially just kind of thought about keeping a flat foot just not trying to kind of deviate my foot in any way just kind of keeping it positions in the way that I otherwise needed to because um, if I tried to activate an arch it wouldn't or try to kind of tense my foot up which was a common thing because I felt like oh if I keep it flat then I'm going to kind of automatically result in valgus and I'm going to cause knee pain and stuff like that which didn't really happen if anything I actually kind of was in a more stable position to receive activation at the foot and actually stabilize the movement much better so once I kind of realized that that helped um, and then with RDLs, actually, again, working on trying to feel the activation inside the, the hip and then the glute as a whole, um, but making sure to keep my body centered 
well, the weight centered over my center of mass and not again deviate or rock or move. And I do kind of, I'm able to feel those points of resistance where maybe I run out of space in the hip or run out of flexibility in the hamstring. And then I'm able to kind of work and work through those movements slowly, uh, but under tension. And I've, again, they started to, within a fairly short period of time, incorporating these movements and being more self-aware. Um, just with these two movements alone, I've managed to feel like I've made some quite substantial progress in those areas, both with the foot stability, um, improving internal rotation and just general stability as well. How has that translated back into like your your kind of like bilateral squats that you were doing before, like your back squat or, or front squat and things like that? Yeah, so stuff like um, with the back squat, I've mainly been working on the moment, just more comfort in the bottom position. It's still not there, and I, I get points now where I feel like I almost have to cycle out the squat for a bit and then come back, which isn't ideal, but it's not like a long period. It's become kind of shorter with time. And it's usually, again, because of fatigue, I'm probably not firing uh, the right muscles as well, or it's becoming slightly less stable, um, or I'm just overcompensating in other areas. So I kind of have to cycle out every so often, maybe just a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and then come back to it. But on the whole, I can kind of tolerate the movement for much longer. It feels much more stable. I don't feel like I'm shifting, like I was mentioning earlier, about shifting over to the right, uh, my stronger leg. I don't feel like I'm shifting over as much. Um, and yeah, I can kind of, again, I've got more sensory feedback of uh, being able to like use my feet as well, just for more of a stable base. Nothing's perfect yet, but as I said earlier, it's, it's very slow progress, but it's, it's also, it's a constant kind of learning curve. Like you can go through a rehab process and you can, you know, meet someone that's incredibly knowledgeable and knows their field, but, you, you're kind of continually getting to know yourself, you with that injury or that ailment and having to, you know, adapt accordingly, especially if it's like a long-term thing that you're trying to work through. You'll have to kind of change things up with exercises, but also with regard to time as well. What I've realized is, again, some things early on, uh, more volume, more specific work in certain areas will help. And probably you do have to do more when, in the initial phases uh, because, uh, well, for one thing, my hip was really tight. So I need to try and, again, work on creating space and trying to innovate those muscles that needed to work. So that was all kind of a lot. That took a lot of time. But once those muscles were kind of firing, and I learned extra things as well with regards to the internal rotation, just improving the space in the round hip capsule. Um, I ended up just finding exercises or being able to do less, but still get decent results. Um, so it's a more targeted approach, isn't it? I suppose it, it, it's taking yeah. that kind of like, I'm going to do everything. And it's just finally like, right, here are the two or three exercises. Here are the two or three things that are, I, I can prioritize that are actually going to help the most. Um, yeah. And then maybe that, then maybe from that point, it's then like starting to expand out and think like, cool, and now I can add something else in. Um, I think yeah. taking a little bit more of like a minimalist approach in that respect, in terms of like, here, I'm going to do like 12 different things. It's like maybe I'm actually going to try and do three things really well and then yeah. start to build on that as I go forward. No, yeah, of course. Like just from those two exercises alone, um, single leg RDLs with a barbell and again, split squats and even just working on the squat as well. Um, 
as a whole kind of package those three movement i've really seen some decent progress and again stuff like um single leg calf raises as well some more direct movements um what i'm going to probably try and incorporate more of as well is calf raises with a tennis ball to actually activate uh, the posterior tendons a little bit more but again trying to work on because something that's been a weakness of mine as well is single leg hops uh, things of that nature i'm slowly working towards i'm getting to the point where i can do like a couple of hops it's pretty pathetic really but uh, from where i came from uh, i couldn't even do that like once without landing in a compromising position and i basically put myself in a fair amount of pain within just one attempt at a hop so um yeah uh, it's it's slow but i'm getting there and i'm hoping by maybe the end of this year for instance i should be in quite a good position with what i've kind of found out and the movements that i'm using at the moment if i continue to load them and continue to work on them hopefully i should see some quite nice progress there but i think that's exactly it, it, though, of, isn't it? because most yeah. people will, will take those passive um initial steps that they may be given by a physio or dietrist or whoever that might be and they kind of they they run with those and they just keep going with those and they never ever progress it any further than that and then they don't make any progress yeah. and it's like well you're either just going to get injured again or you're just never going to it's never going to change it's going to become a chronic issue um whereas i would say as you said if you can if you can find a way where you can find movements you can do that are working in a similar way to to what causes you pain what you find difficult and then over time, progressively loading those and adding intensity and and, and sort of progression yeah. to those, you're actually going to make a lot more progress. And it might be a fact that you've done less in terms of like overall re- exercises, sets, reps, all that kind of stuff. But but you've actually made more progress because you've you've targeted and overloaded the the the, the specific areas, specific like yeah. issues that that were causing the problems. Yeah. No, I think there is a lot to be said for. Um, I've seen it plenty of times on posts about obviously some of the flexibility stuff has helped with again the whole stretching around the hip and at the same time strengthening the areas is definitely um, room for both and they both definitely help but more increasingly more so I found um, the weight training side of things so the bulgarian split squats the single leg deadlifts um, the, the uh, RDLs they've been very like very helpful and again I haven't had to use too much volume, haven't had to really kind of sweat about doing a massive amount of exercises, but it, I've felt a lot of feedback. And at the same time, I, I kind of built up in my head as well that I needed to do a lot more to get the results that I needed. But it's more just choosing exercises that you can, that are challenging, that will you can, again, have feedback in those areas, have the desired sensation necessary and at the same time, be able to hit them with a good level of consistency. Because I think uh, that was something that I've really lacked previously when I've tried to, even before I went to a podiatrist and I knew, you know, this is kind of holding me back. I should try and do something. I, I was just never consistent enough with what I was doing to actually see any progress. And I was expecting things too quickly um, when, as I realized, it's, you know, it takes a lot of time and you have to kind of, even as boring and it's frustrating as well and as it can be even a little bit embarrassing i'll try and do i remember when i tried to do single leg rdls with a barbell for the first time and i was i'd go onto my left leg and i'd be all over the place and i just look like a complete idiot like uh what is this guy doing sort of thing so it's hard to do in a gym sense or you're doing all these kind of small movements and 
people might have seen you maybe doing a deadlift or doing something else that I don't know is more kind of mainstream and then you're messing around on a I mean I was doing like circles like circular movements on a bossu ball and um I don't know someone was just taking the mic as like I was doing salsa hips or something like that and I was <laughs> just like uh you know it, I, I can take it on the chair I can laugh myself but at the same time it's a, it's kind of frustrating some people can't quite handle that or would rather just get back to what they were doing so like just as quickly as possible they might do something for about two three weeks oh it feels a tiny bit better and then they'll just kind of rush back to what they were doing previously and again like we were saying they'll just get injured again and then it's kind of back to square one and you know it could be could be worse as well the next time you don't know it can be a bit of a kind of a downward spiral can't it you can just keep yeah hitting your head against the wall and, and trying to do something that's not working and just i i don't think in any case like the way something's always been done i.e the way you've traditionally approached something if that's if that's not working find something new don't keep trying to do the same thing because it clearly didn't yeah. work the first time and it's clearly not going to work no matter how many more times you apply that so at a certain point i think we need to expand our our repertoire of like if you like of approaches or or, or exercises yeah. or movements or whatever to kind of find the one that actually works because all exercises are just tools to an end aren't they and yeah you've just got to find the right tool for the job that you want to achieve and it's not to say that someone else might be have a very similar injury and there might be different exercises to the ones you've you've used that that might yeah. benefit them more and that's not to say that either exercise is right or wrong it's just to say that there's 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 a certain tool that's going to be the best and the most optimal for whatever yeah. job that might be for whatever purpose or outcome um and it's about experimenting and finding what what works i mean as coaches that's what we do like i yeah. prescribe exercises to people or i kind of program exercise for people but at the end of the day it might be that, that exercise doesn't work we might get down the process and be like cool we tried it it didn't work we need to go again and work yeah. something else out it is a little bit of an educated guesswork you have frameworks you have principles that guide you but at the end of the day it comes down to like you've just got to work out what's going to be best for that individual and that might be a little bit of trial and error process to to get there yeah i think that's something that i've learned a bit quite a bit um through working at cambridge university as well um helping to coach out with it, helping to coach with the athletes and at the same time just general population that come my way is that nothing is always clear cut and sometimes i'll be taking someone through a plan and i could in my head it might seem good and i've taken them through a parkour and all the rest and made sure that i'm not giving them anything that could you know cause an injury or cause any discomfort but we'll go through it and it might be like okay um you know the, the, the lack of coordination here or they're just not feeling this exercise so we'll go on to just do something else instead and like you said i think you've got to be prepared as a coach and what i've learned as well is you kind of feel like when you put when you put pen to paper uh, what you write or what you put down as a coach it's got to be kind of right it's got to get results the first time the sets have got to be perfect the weight's got to be just right and you know the movements as well but what you'll find is when they actually do it there'll be some that might be okay these are pretty good but then there'll be a few that are like right well we could just swap these out and do something different that's been more effective and more um you know we're going to take less time basically to get more results i think you should never need to, as coaches we should never be married up to certain exercises in terms of like this is the be all and end or this is the exercise that yeah. i would use everybody because it's not the case 
And if, especially when you get into things like the weight training. So if you look at like a, a back squat, for example, is perfect for, for some goals and absolutely not the right choice for other people's goals. And, and yeah. it, it just becomes a case of like, you need to work out what exercise is actually going to get to the outcome for that person the best. Um, and certain exercises are better for certain outcomes. Like, and that's, that's, that's simple as it gets. I think it, like, you don't have to, or we shouldn't be in, in a position where it's like, I'm going to apply this to every goal. And, and I know I've certainly been involved in kind of mindsets, m- like methodologies that have a bit of that approach where it's kind of like, this is the, this is the way, and this is the only way. Um, yeah. And I think we need to kind of be a little bit more kind of, broad and open to different ideas and and applying different things and then just try and see if it works and if it doesn't work perfect you now know that that wasn't the right choice and here's another list of things we can try yeah no of course Uh, i think um i've trained quite a variety of different people from different backgrounds and age groups and i found that sometimes sometimes you always have to um i don't know persuade clients as well they might say they really want to do this particular exercise and you might put it in a plan first time around just be like okay like i remember someone that was adamant that they really wanted barbell squats in their plan but then when we actually went into the gym and tried all these movements and we came out to the barbell squats they're just really wobbly uncoordinated and obviously i tried to give them some cues but you could end up spending about 45 minutes to an hour maybe or more trying to guide someone through and getting them like a, people do whole workshops on the squat just as a movement that can last, you know, a couple of hours at least. Um, and it's like, obviously you don't have that time. So you've got to find something else that they're going to respond to. And that's going to be more, and it can, might be like a leg press might maybe be a single leg variation or, um, yeah, just something that will otherwise give them or goblet squat or whatever that usually ends up, what it ends up turning into because the barbell having the weight on the back is too much to do with or just too complex initially to be able to coordinate the movement properly exactly i think if it gets to a certain point where you're looking for a certain outcome with someone and the complexity of the movements you're prescribing them is the limiting factor like you're not able to then load it you're not able to then push them in to any kind of like push them beyond where they're currently at because you're spending so much time and, and effort just getting them to a basic level and this is this is one of the one of the few arguments i see around like things like olympic weightlifting for example is like why yeah. certain coaches don't like it because yes if you're a good coach you should be able to get an athlete to a point where they can progress and benefit from those things and i'm not arguing that point but i think if if it's going to take you six weeks to get them to a level where they can actually start to get physical adaptations from that rather than just it be a technical thing that's holding yeah. them back like if they're having to lift with only a barbell for for six seven weeks then it might not be the best exercise for them given whatever yeah. circumstances they might be under you might be better better positioned to use like a trap bar jump for example yeah where that takes 10 minutes to teach someone right hold on to these handles and jump like that's yeah. probably as complex as it gets and same idea yeah. with back squats if someone wants to improve their I don't know, improve their lower body strength. Like there's a million and one different things that you can do that are probably going to be better than a back squat for someone who's just starting out in that sense. Like, yeah, like they say like leg presses, like goblet squats, single leg variations, like front squats, heel elevated variations, whatever that might be. 
that are going to yeah. lower that complexity level and actually allow someone to push themselves because if they can't push themselves physically they're probably not going to be getting kind of like the outcomes they want in in at least the short term whereas if you could say yeah. like i don't know choose a goblet to score with someone then they can load that reasonably heavy and they can push themselves for for six weeks you might then come back into like the back squat for example or the barber squat and they're then a little bit more competent in that and can actually start to load that up as opposed yeah. to you spending six, 12 weeks trying to teach them a movement that they're just not getting because it's way too complex for the level that they're at. Yeah. And that's a lot what you said. Like usually what you find is sometimes it's just they thought they were doing a movement correctly for so long because a lot of people do get, um, I don't know, kind of whisked away with the whole free weights um, are the way sort of thing, especially amongst general population. They'll want to, you know, engaging free weights. And usually what I end up doing is doing a more machine-based plan sometimes um, just because it just saves time for them to, you know, if they're wobbly and they're moving all over the place. Some free weight exercises, yeah, it's probably fine just to crack on with. If it's just a horizontal press or pull or something like that, it's not too too difficult. But when you've got a lot of different elements working at the same time, so deadlifts, squats, stuff like that, or front squats, or they've got a mobility deficit, then it's probably not the best thing to do but if you choose something like a goblet squat or something where they can work on those mechanics just for a period of time uh, they'll probably you know develop a little bit of stability bit of muscle mind connection maybe improve a bit of mobility as well if they're doing it properly and then when you put the barbell on the back one of it is never going to be perfect but they'll probably be able to hit more depth and just be more stable they might know how to brace up better all that sort of stuff and then you can actually maybe use that movement it might of course it might won't be perfect but you'll still be able to get a response from it you'll still be able to develop leg strength and again um like although we see a lot of videos of people doing perfect squats and perfect this that and the other as long as they're not moving in a way that's going to potentially risk injury even if the depth is slightly short or maybe parallel they could still build a bit of muscle still build quite a bit of strength and uh that they can transfer to other things whatever that might be so it's still probably worth using to an extent. And then obviously, if it gets to the point where they still can't hit that depth and they're maybe loading too heavily, then obviously you can switch out and choose another variation and then maybe come back to that at a later date. No, exactly. I think it would be good to talk about now, like briefly before we sort of start to finish up and we can probably talk about this again in the future on another episode, but about yeah, like, kind of like the, the the hybrid we'll call it hybrid training for for lack of a better term in terms of like what are yeah. some of the the guiding principles and um, maybe when we talk about hybrid training what i'm talking about in that context is the combination of, of goals typically something kind of conditioning cardio based with 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 more strength focused goals and it's kind of the blending of the two if you look at this this is what most like field sports are for example most field sports are yeah. a combination of strength and and conditioning elements um but in a tra- yeah. in the training sense like for example like the, the weightlifting and the running is a good example and one that I, I do and one that um is probably fairly common um what yeah. are some of the kind of the the principles you've used to guide your training in that respect i think um like I've, I've just had to try quite a few different things but with weight training what i've learned is again less is more so whatever you're doing um so if you're if you were solely focused on bodybuilding you'd be able to hit a really nice amount of volume each week if that was your goal or if you were more in the intensity camp you'd be able to push that intensity really hard and to like a high level 
Um, again, with strength, you'd be able to do more sets regarded to that. But when you, as soon as you start to introduce, especially something like running, with cycling, if, if that's your thing, you'd probably be able to tolerate more volume and maybe um, incorporate more maybe bodybuilding style of training or more strength sets because there's just less eccentric damage. And at the same time, it's, um, again, it's just less muscle soreness from those sorts of uh, training modalities. But at, at the same time, if, if you were to say to do running, uh, th that is going to cut down your volume massively. And since I'm a big fan of running, but at the same time, I probably classify as well as like a heavier runner, even though um, I'm not as massive as I'd like to be, just as everyone isn't. Um, like it, I still have quite a bit of weight to shift around. And again, with the issues that I've had with my tendons, uh, going back to that, I have to be more careful with the volume that I'm using. And it's more about having effective ground contact time that I've realized. As soon as I've started to inter um, incorporate more intervals as opposed to slower runs, and this is obviously where you respond better. Like some people might actually respond better from slower runs. Whereas for me, I feel like more kind of shorter, uh, faster to the point uh, running or conditioning sessions are much more beneficial for myself. At the same time, uh, weight training wise as well, just focusing on maybe two, three sets of a given exercise and maybe only doing like three weight training sessions a week. I used to be quite fixated on doing a lot and I've combined bodybuilding and bodybuilding and uh, hybrid training is insanely hard from what I've found just because, again, the muscle damage. So if you are going through a bodybuilding period or trying to build more mass, then running needs to be kind of like, I only really managed to survive maybe one three miler a week. And then most of it would be supplemented through um training via like a bike a rower usually a bike that was kind of my most uh popular favorite um type of conditioning that i would do other than that but i think it also depends because the hybrid goal can kind of shift sometimes like i said with the bodybuilding or if you're doing strength strength again since it's more kind of neurological um adaptation being able to innovate and react basically in um whilst uh moving a load that's that's not so so demanding like although on the nervous system there's you know it's quite taxing uh with regard to the muscles you so can get away with it a little cost, bit more isn't there? there's a lower metabolic yeah. cost but it's more neurological in that sense or neuromuscular yeah, exactly so so i found that i've been able to do and i've been doing more of that recently i've been able to do more running than i otherwise would when i was doing a kind of more bodybuilding based plan or causing more muscle damage uh that's i think it's just, that's probably worth just accepting that there's limitations in in that sense like yes you can entirely improve in both aspects concurrently and you can make in big running gains yeah. and you can get stronger at the same time and i don't think those things have to exist in isolation but it's accepting yeah. that you're going to have to prioritize the most important elements of each like you're not going to be able to yeah. do loads of loads of kind of excess volume in the strength side equally on the running side you're probably not going to be able to do like hours and hours of weekly mileage you're going to have to kind yeah. of prioritize what's important just because in terms of recovery but then also i think truly concurrent so training to really improve and maximally improve both 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 aspects I think we get to around that 12 week mark and anything past that and it becomes detrimental then to to health and performance like we probably need to be yeah. prioritizing certain elements at certain times be that a case that we might go through a more endurance focus block so say that split might go from being yeah. 50 50 to like 
you know, 70, 30 towards one side. And we, then, yeah. then we might shift towards the other. And all that means is that we're still doing all of the elements at all the times, but we're just increasing and decreasing volumes and intensities of both elements, which is like, call it yeah. periodization. It's, it's planning of training over long term, isn't it? It's, and make yeah. sure we almost have like different phases where we're probably focusing on different things. Because I think if we're trying to push everything at the same time, all the time, yeah. we come into problems. And, and we can't sustain that for long periods of time without something breaking, which, as, as you've kind of yeah. said, I'm sure you've, you've run into issues in the past where you've tried to be pushing two things at the same time for longer yeah. periods of time. And we just come into problems where we can't sustain that level of output. Yeah, I think as well, going back to the patient side of it as well, since you're moving forwards, of course, it's not as efficient. If you want to be, um, if you just want to shift massive weight, and that's kind of your main aim. You're not so stop bothered running. running. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, yeah just exactly. Running. Yeah, yeah. just stop running and you'll get there way quicker. But if you are, again, trying to kind of um, satisfy lots of different elements and trying to develop as a whole, then you will have to, um, you know, cut back on certain things. Or it doesn't mean that you're not going to reach a level where you're going to be really strong and, you know, really fit at the same time. It just means that being able to recover from both and, do the amount of volume and all the rest and train those different elements, you're going to be kind of cruising along at a much slower rate than someone who's just solely focusing on weight training um, or just running. So and going back to what we were saying about the different periodization as well, I think for the future of my um, hybrid training, I've kind of been a little bit willy-nilly of just kind of balancing two things at once and then maybe I'll do this, I'll do that. But I think going forward to actually progress i'd like to probably do maybe a hypertrophy phase kind of less demanding cardio and then move into a strength phase and like what you said like a more endurance phase so then kind of maintain numbers as best i can at that after that strength phase and then try and actually progress the endurance side that little bit more and then obviously kind of wind down into that more um you know hypertrophy based phase but i think that's one way of that you could do it if you were going for like a long-term approach of building muscle, building strength, trying to build an engine as well um, and combine those different elements. And I think it's incredibly individual as well with what you can tolerate. And I think that's what you find when you do hybrid training is um, you just, uh, like some people can do different things for much longer than others. And uh, also finding out what you respond to. Some people will respond better from longer, um, longer runs. Some people will respond better from maybe um, you know, kind of more shorter sprint intervals. And I think that's where I've found more success in less um, ground contact time, but more just being more effective and more efficient form. And then when I've done those longer runs, they felt felt better. In it's all dependent as well, isn't it? If you want to run a marathon, yeah. at the end of the day, you're going to have to run long and slow. Like if you want to, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. If you want to PB your, your mile or your 5K, like you're going to have to do some of those shorter sprint work. Um, pieces yeah it, it, it's individual yes on that respect as well different people respond to different things but it's also goal that dependent as well as yeah it? no no like depending course, on your yeah. goals like for example for me I'm, I'm training to do some marathons and ultra distance running um yeah so i'd be naive to think that i'm going to be absolutely um peaking my, oh, yeah. my strength alongside it and realistically no. i'm not going to be that fast i'm not gonna i'm not going to no. be at a point when i'm peaked for that ultra endurance stuff I'm probably not yeah. going to be at a point where I could PB my 5k um, no. just because I'm 
the vast majority of my training is going to be long and longer and slower, not the faster yeah. stuff, because that's not specific to the goals I'm chasing. Um, yeah, I think this is, yeah, I think we're about at time. So we'll, we'll start to wrap it up now, but we'll definitely have to yeah. get another episode in talking about hybrid yeah, training because yeah. it's, no, uh, it's obviously something I'm sure. incredibly interested in. Um, yeah. I'm talking about more sprints from a, yeah, because I'm doing more like 5k stuff. So we're kind of like different ends of the spectrum with distance yeah, yeah. to running. So that, but there's that's some commonalities uh, between than... it, isn't there? There's similar yeah, principles yeah, yeah. that guide all of that. It's just what what it looks like within that is is still goal dependent. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome, okay. man. Last last thing then before we uh, finish up, where can where can people find you if they want to know more about you? Obviously, back when gyms are open, if anyone's kind of around Cambridge, Louis Louis trains or coaches out of the uh, Cambridge University Sports Centre, which is an awesome gym. I think everyone should go check it out. Yeah. Um, at least yeah. if it's just for a couple of sessions. Um, but where can people find you social media wise? And I'll link it all in the, the show notes. Yeah. So, um, fitness with Louis is my, um, Instagram fitness account and that's where I'm mostly active. There isn't, um, I haven't really got a website as such that I'm using at this moment in time. And, uh, yeah, again, coaching wise, it's all kind of fairly early days, but on my Instagram, I'm pretty active. So I'll respond to any messages or anything that come my way awesome man i'll get that link down and uh yeah thanks for making some time to come on today yeah no worries it's always good talking okay guys that's it for another episode thanks for listening check below for all the relevant links and notes from today's episode or search for us on social media apex delta coaching one quick thing before you go if you're a recreational athlete or fitness enthusiast who wants to get stronger and run longer then check out the free seven-day hybrid training blueprint we've put together by following the link either down in the show notes or you can search for it from our Instagram. It's an ebook designed to help you put together the ultimate weekly training template to crush your hybrid training goals by getting stronger and running longer at the same time without any of the confusion. Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review or let us know personally. Any and all feedback is greatly appreciated and it helps to grow the podcast further. Thanks for listening, keep training and talk soon. Thank you.